Yo, what's up guys? Welcome to another episode of Huge On Experience. A um, couple weeks ago, I got a couple of requests from some people asking about my experience in traveling and to share some tips and how to save some money and travel smart with some budget. Um, so me and Paul has traveled quite a lot in the last 5-10 uh, years. Uh, Paul Nelson has been down to Central and South America like 15-20 times. Uh, I've been to 20 plus countries uh, all over Europe, Asia, Australia. So we definitely learn a lot uh, through our years experience and I'm definitely very happy to share with you guys. And traveling has been very close to my soul. Every chance I get, that's what I want to do because it allows me to really understand what it's like to live in different parts of the world and what really means to be happy and living a life that brings me so much joy and fulfillment. So hopefully that helps you guys. And here you go. Here's our podcast. I feel good. Yes, sir. Mm. Officially over three months of us nomading it up. Yep. What day was it when you came visit? March 13th. Today is June almost 16th. Yeah. We got the Oceanside place um, 20 something, right? March 24, something like that. Yeah. Well, we did before that. We went to, first we went to Joshua Tree. Right, Joshua Tree, then Death Valley. And then we went to Death Valley. That was a crazy weekend. Yeah. (laughs) We did so much that weekend. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, of, of my top five memories from the last three months. Yeah. Uh, that's got a couple of them. <laughs> um, well, Don- Joshua Tree was like one of your thing because the uh, bouldering definitely caught like oh, your yeah. attention there. It right? was beautiful, yeah. But I, I wasn't doing it at the time. I was observing right. people, so it was mm-hmm. beautiful to imagine myself rock climbing and bouldering yeah. out there yeah. for sure. But the definitely highlight was Death Valley for you. And just to set this all up for people who are wondering, on March eighth. No, March like 5th, the owner of my company said, hey, Paul, you know, with the whole pandemic, you know, this is before things got bad. And even though they're in San Francisco, it hadn't gotten bad there yet. Mm -hmm. She goes, hey, Paul, you know, with everything going on, if you don't want to come, I understand it's no big deal because I was going out there for a work trip. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I'm coming because I said, I want to hang out with you. (laughs) (laughs) I just something deep down said, no, I got to go on this trip. And then that that Sunday night, March 8th, the night before I was going and I had a morning flight, yeah. I couldn't sleep. I was up late and I even texted her and said, hey, I'm not feeling well. I don't know if I'm going to go. <laughs> and then in the morning, I was just like, no, fuck, I got to go. <laughs> and uh, flew on a pretty pretty empty plane out to San Francisco Yeah. Uh, and had a great time out there for five days for work. And then uh, I could have flown right home after that again. And something said no. And I flew down to Orange County and... That's where this all began. Yeah. Yep. I remember like we, uh, well, before we booked the um, Oceanside place, we were thought talking about going to Hawaii. Remember that? We almost went to Hawaii. <laughs> Had we, we almost did. We, we were, were going to go and you're like, let's wait till after the weekend. And then we went to Joshua Tree. Yeah. Or was that Because that? like when you got here, it's like, okay, well, let's hang out for the weekend first and then kind of see how this thing plays out. Right. Yeah. And but by the time it was over, they were like, don't come to Hawaii. Yeah. I mean, that Monday, basically, the whole thing about social distancing happened. Like, okay, well, 
you know, you really shouldn't be in public places where there's a lot of people. So airport, you know, like in the airplane, those confined places are just not a good idea. Like I just really felt if we go to Hawaii, that's just not a very socially responsible thing to do. And we looked up the flights. It was like, what, $100 yeah. one way. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could have just go to Hawaii. And, like, I even found a place. Yeah, you booked an Airbnb. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could have just go stay there for a couple of months. But it just didn't feel right to do it. Yeah. You know, because at that point, it's just starting, right? Yeah. People are not, you know, stay away from crowds. So if we do that, I just don't feel very responsible. So, like, you know what? We probably shouldn't be going to the airport or being an airplane if it's not for like super essential and right? i was like let's go here right now <laughs> <laughs> uh we went to joshua tree though and we had a good fun yeah and definitely oh you remember at joshua tree i ran up that mountain that was so much fun yeah oh joshua tree is freaking gorgeous man you remember, there was a yeah. it said like takes what did it say three to four hours or something to do the hike and I was like, and I ran up and down, and an it was hour only and a half like or a something. mile and a half up and a mile and a half down. Right? It was really steep though. Mm, yeah, and very small path. That yeah. was awesome. But the landscape is fucking beautiful. I mean, the kind of rock there is just so unique. Yeah, it's a very unique rock kind of a, a landscape because it's not like a regular kind of rock. It's very unique. It's like humongous rocks. Yeah, but it's like a rock. It's not like a mountain. It's not like a hill. It's just like giant rocks laying around everywhere. I remember we saw you know? a guy climb up this rock and we thought he was trying to hide like stolen money because he just found this perfect crack to, like, <laughs> and he was hanging out there for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And you saw this guy that climb up the freaking rock with no rope. Yeah, I saw some guy uh, solo climb up this rock. <laughs> he was wearing like hoodies, like nothing. Just, like, I know, and I saw him jeans and, he, just and hoodies, gave me, right? he gave me this like little nod or wink or something like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, when you climb the kind of rock free solo, he does get to... Uh, you have the right to wing people. And I watched people rock climb there, and I got so excited. I'm like, I'm going to do that. I'm yeah, going bordering. to do that. Yeah. And remember, we stayed at that guy's place um, out in the desert. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. The yoga retreat place, the vegan chef. Oh, who worked was, for the, uh, he worked for the president as a chef. That was a beautiful place to stay. He got his two huge German shepherds. Yeah. Cute dogs. He got his, like, a meditation place set up in a, outside. Yeah. That was really fun. Yeah, that's such a good place to have like a group yoga retreat. Yeah, and the guy's a pro chef. Yeah, we're like it's like good for like what ten people, I think, mm -hmm. right? Maybe more. I thought yeah. he said they had twenty or thirty. Well, inside yoga. a house can definitely fit like a good four or five people, and then the cabins outside can fit another like six seven people. I think. Yeah, well, the Zhang Yoga retreats can start there. <laughs> yeah, my business would be just uh, yoga retreats and meditation. I love it. That's all my business. No, it, no advice. Just do it. Yep. Listen to the internal compass. Yep. No, no success talks. Just <laughs> go meditate. <laughs> meditate and do yoga with me. That was that's fun, all, man. That's all my group activity consists of. And hiking. And the highlights for our trips. Um, that's valid, for, I think, for both of us. is a huge highlight. And yeah, so to set that up, we didn't go to Hawaii. And I didn't want to fly back, so I just hop stayed in this Airbnb yeah. in this. Hispanic. Maybe just talk about the timeline. We went to Oceanside yeah. first. Let's follow the timeline. No, but we're not even yeah. at Oceanside. This is when we went to jo uh, to Death oh, right, Valley right, yeah. for the Before first time. Before Oceanside. So after after yeah. Joshua Tree, we said no Hawaii. And I, so I just I grabbed uh, an Airbnb in this Hispanic neighborhood, which was awesome with these Tempur-Pedic beds. It was freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we hung out. I hung out there for the week, 
Um, and then we said, let's just go to another park. I said, are there any more? You said, yeah, Death Valley. That's not that far. Let's go there. Mm -hmm. And so we rented a, a trailer for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Remember? And yeah, we showed up and they, they, had, they ate Chinese food for the first time in their life and hated it and gave it to us because yeah. it was such <laughs> bad Chinese food. It's so bad. It smells so bad too. Yeah. I hated it. it was like That this. was a crazy good weekend. Yeah. That, remember when we chopped the wood and then it got stuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did the salt flat and yeah. then we did the Dante's view. Those two were incredible. Yeah. We walked the freaking salt flat for like that, four hours so that, barefoot. That weekend <laughs> had my one of my first of my five favorite memories of the trip. Yeah. Which was um, seeing the sunset on Dante's point, mm, Dante's mm, peak. Yeah. Uh, look it up, anybody. Dante's peak in uh, Death Valley. Um, whew. Because it was down below was yeah. the salt flats, 300 feet below sea level. Mm -hmm. We're, I don't know how far up we were, five, I six, seven, are, eight thousand. I don't, I don't think it's eight thousand, probably definitely four, five thousand. Four or sure. five thousand feet yeah. up, looking at the lowest point in North America. And then the other side were these mountains that were 10, 11, 12, 13,000 yeah. feet. There's definitely Because they were snow capped mountains, mountains. Across the And these salt flats is this like valley that goes for miles in each direction. And it was just so gorgeous with the sunset. I had tears in my eyes. I'm, I don't know if I've ever cried to the sunset before. <laughs> I cried there. <laughs> and we fly the drone there. That was fun. Oh, yeah. When we So, to, again, the salt flats, we walked, like, round trip three, four miles without, without, without shoes. Because somebody chair, said no to shoes. us, said, don't wear oh, shoes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let your feet feel the salt. Which it was cool. It was squishy and it was cool. After a while, though, it got a little, it got tough. And it was yeah. it was it was hurting the feet. <laughs> yeah. And we Walking walked for back. miles. Because we you actually went to almost entirely to the other side. I know. That was a good like couple miles walk. Mm -hmm. We spent like a good four hours. Yeah. There from like afternoon like one o'clock or two o'clock yeah. until like four or five. And then man, walking back from the salt flat was tough. Like so, so much pain. If anybody feet. does it, just bring flip flops. You can go barefoot. Just bring something else too. Just walking back, have something to walk back with. Yeah. We just left. We just left the shoes in the car. We just didn't even. That was so <laughs> fun. But it's beautiful though. The octagons. Yeah, that dang chair. Yeah. yeah, I have to carry that chair to get those photos. The octagons are so cool. Yeah. And I'd love get, to go to, camping. And there you get sometime. to taste the salt. Yeah, I have a giant piece of salt that I still have. We brought a piece back, and you definitely chew some as well too. Oh yeah, I, t I ate some. Yeah, that was that good. was an unbelievable weekend. Mm -hmm. That was such a that long, was the first time we hiked up weekend. the sand dunes too. Yes. We didn't camp that time; we just hiked up them. Yeah, that's and that's when pictures. I did that that video where I rolled down, I tumbled down. I was yeah. so afraid to do it, and I did it, and it was so fun. Forty seconds of nonstop tumbling. Yeah, and then we booked the Oceanside Place, which is right on the water. Yeah, so in between all this, I took two days. I borrowed Hugh's car, and I went to Oceanside, California by myself because mm -hmm. it just seemed so great, and I loved it there. And so when we were like, let's book a place because my whole dream was if this pandemic's going to happen, I'm going to quarantine by the ocean. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be stuck at home. Yeah, like for us, it's like if you want to be not supposed to go in out and be around people, let's just go all out with the nature. That's it. We're going to be by the water, in the mountain, in the forest. Like, in a way, it really actually helped me. Like, I think for you, you always like hiking and being in nature in Colorado already. But for me, it's like I grew up in concrete jungles. Yeah. I grew up around a ton of people. Like a city like New York kind of vibe. Like people on top of you, below you, everywhere, right? Yeah. So, and then like, you know what? 
my whole life is so much around people, but let me use this opportunity to be completely went the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Let me be super involved and just deep in the nature. So we found this place by the ocean that's about like halfway between Orange County and uh, uh, San Diego. Yep. Uh, Oceanside. One of my beautiful, favorite cities now. Oh, beautiful place. It. Small town, very cute town, not a whole lot of people. And we have this place that's basically apartments that's like right on the water. Yeah. That we just can walk directly to the rocks that's on the beach that's part of the property. And we just have crazy sunsets every day. And we had a that's, that's like our thing. Every day we just sunset. Like on the balcony or on the sand, yeah. watch the sunset. It that was, was awesome. awesome. Yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> that, that view of the ocean, even though we were a little far away, we were up high and then we could walk under the roof yeah. and get even closer. Yeah, our balcony is like right on the roof. So we can walk out. We can climb up even higher to on top of our roof. Yeah, so that's what I would do. I'd climb up on top of our roof and it was yeah. perfect. Yeah, and we'll find some place for oh, to do our that. that was fun. Yeah, no, that was a beautiful place to stay at. Even though there's like less outside space because we're still in an apartment building. Mm-hmm. It's not like a house we have our own, like Nevada or here. Yeah. Which is definitely better than that. Yeah. But still, there's something about just being by the water. Like we can hear ocean sound every day. Every yes. morning. Yes. Ocean sound. Yes. Bioluminescence. Oh, yeah. So let's explain that. So I'm sitting there one night and I see these waves just glowing. Uh-huh. And I say to you, like, are, are, am I seeing things or this is really glowing? <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, it's just a reflection of the, the light. And then and then a minute later, you're like, no, wait, there's something going on. He's like, wait, even reflection wouldn't be just like coming in waves. It should be always like blue, yeah. but it's like coming in waves. And like, oh, no, wait, that's actually bioluminescence. And so a few days before, the tide had turned red, and we had no right. idea why. I thought it was, like, dirty. I thought just, yeah. like, some, like, pipes exploded and just become very dirty water. Yeah. And then I realized, no, that's actually bioluminescence. In daytime, it looked like that. In the evening, when people are swimming in it, or when fishes are swimming in it, uh, when they have a defensive mechanism turned on, it basically lights up. So if you were actually swimming in the water every stroke that we take, it would basically start off the bioluminescence and becomes blue. And it glows. And it's freaking beautiful. And so watching the waves crash, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. I sat there for hours. And like that last week that we were there, we every night, we just sat watching the sunset and watching the bioluminescent waves. Mm-hmm. And that it sunset was, was just gorgeous. Watching it hit the water every night turning the most magnificent reds, yellows, pinks, yellows, oranges. Mm-hmm. There's a thing about Southern Cal sunsets because I think something about the dry air and also the hot places like that, the air is more condensed. So when the light hits the air, the reflection is just different. Like being here in Colorado, you know, we don't see that kind of sunset here. No. It's very different. It's just different, yeah. It's very unique to like desert kind of landscape when it's very dry. Yeah. You have that. Yeah. And man, I love it. Remember that like one time when we had the sunset, the sun's halfway below the horizon. We got birds flying across my frame of my camera. Yeah. And then there's this battleship, military battleship right by the sun. Yeah, we you got a photo so, of it too. Yeah, that was some freaking that was one of my favorite shots out there. That was cool. In the ocean side. Just captured that frame. It was yeah, I was really excited about that shot. Yeah, and remember we went to Laguna. Yeah. We went to La Jolla for sunset a few times. Yeah. 
got to see George, our, our favorite So, bird. see, a lot of people don't know. Uh, I want to maybe drop this in real quick. People think that it takes a lot of money to do this kind of stuff. But let's just show real quick how great a deal that we got for that place. Oh, yeah. So every place we've gotten we so far, we've gotten 30 to 50% off. See, like the things that when you book on Airbnb and you book month to month, a lot of times those Airbnb hosts are willing to offer you like sweet discounts. Yeah. And we've got discount all three places. Yeah. And when you do a month, you can actually negotiate with them because you have the power to negotiate, you know, because usually in a month, they only rent out like 20 days usually. People don't rent out the entire time. And they got to clean it every time somebody move out, right? Yep. And they got to prep it. So for them, for the Airbnb host, it's beneficial to have a monthly stay because they don't need to worry about it for an entire month. They get more money out of it. And less headaches because, you know, we got good reviews. Both of us have great reviews on Airbnb from hosts. Like I got so many good reviews now because I travel so much. Yeah, me too. They can see that you have good reviews. so They don't worry about you destroying the place. And the fact that you can book, you know, 28 or 30 days out of the month. There's less vacancy, and they don't need to clean the place once. Yeah. So there's a lot of beneficial for them to book month to month. That way, if you negotiate with them, they're usually willing to negotiate with you. And especially during the pandemic, everybody and for us, was like negotiating. we know in this time right now, people are not booking these places. So therefore, we can even get better deals. Yep. So the Oceanside place is a freaking two floor condo. We should have our own floor. We end up paying for like what twenty eight hundred bucks. Yeah, and then we got the discount because there ended up being a hole in the roof. Right, yeah. The roof was leaking for a hole for like a week. And then to fix it, and they gave us like 400 bucks back. Yeah, right? so I think it ended up being like 1200 each for the month. Yeah, so we paid 1200 bucks. Two-bedroom condo overlooking the ocean. And because the beaches were shut down, it was like having a private beach. Yes. <laughs> There's like so much silver lining there because nobody's allowed to be in the, in, on the beach. So therefore... When we sit on the rock, is literally our private beach. Yeah, that was that was a great fun trip. Yeah. I really liked Oceanside, mm-hmm. and we saw the dolphins. Remember, yes, wild dolphins come right up nearby the shore. Yes. a few times because when humans retreat, animals take the grounds that we use to cover. You know, we went to La Jolla. We saw the sea lions. Mm-hmm. Got to see our friend George the bird. <laughs> yeah. George found his We ate a lot, day. a lot of uh, pho. Yeah, it's a good pho. Good takeout pho. <laughs> yeah. I have pho almost like every day. Almost. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I love pho. Uh, so this ocean side. Yeah. And that and was then, a, this was a time which was a big deal for me, but before we went to Nevada, mm-hmm. because this was a point where it was like, okay, I did a month with you. It's time to go home now. And this is when I mm. shifted from like really becoming a nomad. That second month, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I'm really doing this now. I'm just living and traveling. I'm not going home. I don't have to go home. And so, and at this time, both of us were working and doing great at our jobs. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then I threw all my shit in the storage. Yeah, you put all your stuff in the storage. And seeing that was a big eye opener for me. To see you move your stuff out, to see your stuff in storage. I was like, whoa, I could do that. Yeah. Like people see, people make out a lot of uh, things in their head to things so difficult to travel extensively. Or the kind of scale that you know you and I do it, but really it's not. It's like you're creating this all the struggles in your head. It's all mental game, really. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, there's gonna be additional financial costs, but if you do it smart, you know, like I knew that I'm gonna be out for a couple of months or potential for the rest of this year. I just put all my shit in the storage because I don't need a place in Orange County anymore. I just kept the place. I mean, I kept a mailing place so I can receive mails. 
and you have a great part relationship with the with the owners landlord, of this place, yeah. you can move back in whenever. Yeah, I got great relationship with my landlords. I can go back in whenever I want to. Yeah, and for for me now, I've set it up where I was already paying very little in rent because I had a two bedroom with three people. And now I've just got my rent cut in half and yet to leave all my stuff there, mm -hmm. leave all my furniture there, have a place to let me crash whenever I want, have a mailing address mm -hmm. and pay a couple hundred dollars a month for that Yeah. without having to move anything. Yeah. So before we talk about the Nevada place, I want to jump in a little bit to kind of share a little bit of my insight from traveling. Yeah. Because then I got a couple of questions where you asked me, like, oh, can you go a little bit deeper about like expenses and just like some, you know, technical well, not technical, but just like some techniques in how to do it where you can be affordable. So we mentioned one thing already about the Airbnb where you can negotiate, where you can um, find monthly stays and get discounts. And I didn't know that I could negotiate an Airbnb until you showed me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was allowed. I didn't know yeah. it was possible. Yeah. And like the things like I always like Airbnb when I travel a lot more than like hotels. Like I never really understand like the value of hotel unless you're going for a business conference yeah and like it's right in your hotel fine I understand that but if you're traveling like the way I like it is that well my traveling is about experiencing people's living yeah in the place I'm traveling to like yes. because I value the cultural aspects yes as much as the natural or the scenery or the yes the sightseeing to know what it's like to really live there yes so when I was traveling in Europe um, in Paris or in different part of France or in uh, Italy or Spain. Like when I'm traveling Europe in places, I always book Airbnb because you get to stay in some freaking beautiful um, historical buildings. Like remember, I was thinking about this place I stayed in Lyon, um, which is the uh, like starting point for southern France. I stayed at this place. The building itself is about almost 400 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, this building, stone building, that's at least 400 years old. Like, staying there, for me, is like, it gave me so much understanding and experience of the city and its culture by living there. Because that's actually where people live. This is their home. You know, like, I don't feel as, like, I'm so far away from home because people usually take care of their home. Yes. Like, staying here, right? Like, you don't feel so foreign because... You know it's their home. Yeah. They got their family pictures on the wall. Yeah. You get this like a warm feeling of their home. It's not like a cold hotel. Yeah, I'm so thankful to these people. I thank them all the time. Thank you for opening up your home yeah. and trusting me to stay here. Yeah, exactly. So like one thing that I point out for people is that when you travel, if you enjoy that, like the you know home and people's experience living this in the place, Airbnb is like definitely the place to go. Absolutely. And try to find an Airbnb where, you know, you, I mean, obviously there are ratings there already, but look for things that you care about. Yeah. Like I care about the architecture. Like the place I'm booking right now in uh, Montana is a very unique home that's turned from a barn. I turned those like, they turned this basically this barn storage into a home. Very creative, right? I look for things like that to stay. And the second thing is like transportation, right? So when you travel, transportation is usually a big part of the cost. Um, I mean, airfares, obviously, you can't really negotiate there. Like, you kind of just have to, you know, plan as early as you can. Well, I get an airline credit card, so I get free flights. That's something I recommend. Yeah. Definitely save those miles. That would help. Um, you know, basically, look for, like, when you, for example, you want to go a place, 
you know, try to find out when's the hot season and when's kind of the off season. Like, for example, like people don't know, like this is funny, people don't know how cheap it is to fly to Hawaii from California during the off season. People have no idea. Like when I fly to Hawaii last year um, twice, um, the ticket cost from uh, um, LA, LAX yeah. to Honolulu during the winter time when it's, uh, you know, kind of like the off season. Yeah. There's only like the some of the surfers go there, but like for I mean winter season, the round trip is like four hundred bucks. To Hawaii. Yeah. And during the pandemic, it was like two hundred. Yeah, and when someone runs a promotion, it's like two to three hundred dollars round trip. Like this ain't much. You don't need like six figure income to do this stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Hawaii is like, you know, their food is expensive. Um, booking a place is kind of expensive. But like. The transportation, if you work smart, like that can be save a lot of money. And there's another way you can do it. So for Europe, this is more specific for Europe. For people who want to travel through Europe, um, airplane cost and car sharing, ride sharing is way cheaper than trains. So European trains are very expensive, actually. Like, for example, my trip from Paris, if I take a train to go to Lyon or go to Maasai to southern France the one way ticket just riding a train for like three hours is 120 euro like 150 bucks one way trip yeah that's pretty expensive yeah so I, in Europe what they do that's very very cost efficient is basically download this app it's called blah blah car it's literally called blah blah car and what it is it's basically a ride sharing for long distance trips it's kind of like an Uber, but for long distance, like city to cities. So what we'll do is that people who work in one city, they're going home or they go traveling or see their girlfriend, whatever. They will post like, hey, you know what? I got two seats. I got one seat. I got three seats open. I'm driving from this city to this city. And you can apply to be their traveling mate. They can drop you off somewhere in the route or the destination. And based on the distance, you know, they cost you 20 euro, 30 euro, 40 euro for a trip. So how much that 120 euro train, how much did it cost you? Yeah, so that becomes 25 euro from Paris to Lyon. Wow. From 120 to 25 euro. And you got to meet and a And I got to meet a friend. Yeah. And I met this teacher who was teaching in Paris. And he got a home with his family in uh, uh, southern France in Avignon, which is also part of my destination after Lyon. So he dropped me off in Lyon, and we had a, such a great chat on the ride for like a couple hours. I forgot a three or four hour drive, we were chatting. And in my first podcast I share, he turned out to be this super welcoming guy. He's like, yo, Hugh, this is awesome. We got a good chat. When you come to Avignon, like forget about Airbnb, man. Like my place is welcome, open to you. You're welcome to stay with me. And I did. I stayed with him for over a week. Because he's a summer vacation. He's home with his family. He got two kids, his wife, and like he just took me out like, and traveled with me for the entire week and a half. I stayed with him. Is this the guy that you got the case of wine for? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you mentioned this. That's the guy. He was the guy that drives for Blah Blah Car because, you know, he wants a travel companion and he gets like some gas money back. That's mm-hmm. really what it is, right? Yeah. So, like, most people that do it, they don't really use it to make money. They just do it to basically cover the gas costs. That's reward. That's why it's so cheap, you know. And it's probably fun for them to make a yeah. friend, you know. Yeah, it's like fun, you know. It's like you can talk to somebody and you get a travel mate, right? Yeah. 
So I did that for the entire European trip. Like I didn't even get on a train almost at all. The only train I took was the Netherlands from Amsterdam to my aunt's uh, restaurant to uh, her hometown, which is like a, a smaller town outside of uh, uh, the city. But then it's like pretty hard to get to by car. So I took a train there. Mm -hmm. But other than that, like most of my travels in Europe are through blah, blah, car across country. Mm -hmm. Like from... Uh, um, France to Italy, same thing. Northern Italy to Southern Italy, same thing. And that's how I meet a ton of people. Awesome. All right, what other tips you got? Yeah, so that's like transportation. That's what you can do, just like very, some practical tips. And then if you look at other expenses, right, you break down to transportation, then lodging of food, right? So lodging, we talk about Airbnb. And what was in Europe, I tried to book, you know, one place for a week or so. I feel that's like a pretty optimal amount for me to really explore a place. I mean, that's when I, I'm not even working. I'm just like having entire time to just travel, right? But if you're like working remote and become a digital nomad, then you probably need like two or three weeks to really explore like a place. If you're like working nine to five, right? And then for food-wise, um, I mean, like if you're going to like places and eat where the locals eat, usually no matter where you go, it's not more expensive than U.S., you know? Like, seriously, if you live in the U.S., like, traveling to other countries is not going to be extra expensive. Yeah. Like, your real big cost is just booking the Airbnb place. And if you have an Airbnb, you can buy groceries and cook at home if you want. Exactly. A lot of people do that. That's another advantage of having Airbnb than hotels because you can cook all your meals. Yeah. Like, I will go to, like, grocery store and buy some stuff so I can cook in the morning if I want to, right? Like, here in Colorado, we, we're so far from takeout food, so... We just I, cook every day. Yeah. You know? Every day we cook, every meal. Yeah. I mean, Europe, I didn't cook every meal because part of my goal was go experience some amazing yeah, food. that's different, yeah. You know, but so I have a budget for food. But like Airbnb usually eats no more than 100 bucks a day, even in Europe. It's very hard to go more than 100 bucks a day mm. because you have a lot of options. Yeah. And you can go as budget as you want to. Like you can even go as budget as staying at a hostel. We like if you're traveling solo or if you're just like young couple that don't care about sharing like you know space with people that's also a good option yeah like i stay actually this cheap. uh i stay in amsterdam in a hostel once i think like two nights before i go see my family in the uh, netherlands so this is in a very nice hostel right outside of a um like right outside of the business district of amsterdam and it's beautiful it's like you can meet a bunch of cool people there because there's a lot of also solo travelers there. So you can meet friends. And it's like really nice and clean. Like there's no issues at all. Only thing to bring a pair like uh, of earplugs. So somebody snored, you know, put it on and you're good. You know, it's the only thing. Mm -hmm. So there's traveling and food. And the last expense, last expense you really have is just like experiences. So I have done almost like, uh, I would say close to like 40, 50 Airbnb experiences. And I loved this. So this is actually a really good one. So a lot of people may not know, but Airbnb launched Airbnb Experience back in 2018, I think, early. So not only you can book your place to stay, but you can actually book local activities with local experts in the city, which is way better than booking those like, you know, four or five day tours from some touring company that has like a group of like 40 people in the bus. Because I don't like doing those stuff. I like smaller groups. Like I like walking with a historian through Paris or through London 
they can walk me through the history and some of the hidden gems of the city. Like I like to follow a you know uh, art like a professor or art student that can walk me through part of the Louvre, not the entire Louvre, but part of the Louvre in France, I mean Paris, that like he finds interesting or he finds humorous. So those kind of things you can do. Like I walk with a architect in Paris that he bas I mean she basically walked with me and I was the only person actually booked the whole tour. So just me and her, we walk through like part of Paris that she finds interesting and explain to me like some of the history behind it. Wow. I did this uh um oh this one this is one of my favorite tours in Paris. There's like a biking tour in Paris. Awesome. It's called the Hidden Jam of Paris. You will love this one actually. So all we do is we'll bike for like about five hours through Paris. And basically they would take me to all those smaller hidden places that usual tourists don't even know exist. For example, um, it's called the Church of Sapri. It's a very small church that looked like just like the um, um, Notre Dame. It looked just like that, but smaller and tucked away in some other non-busy streets. Like when I walk in there with them, there's almost no tourists. Not busy at all. Nobody's there almost. And then he pointed out to this wall of painting. So basically, this artist paints on the wall of this church. And it's basically one of the most influential French uh, Impressionists in history, Jean Delacroix, who basically inspired, you know, the best Impressionists in history, like uh, Monet, like Van Gogh. They all, take, they all took inspiration from Eugène Delacroix, who like has one of, the mo one of the most famous pieces, the French Revolution painting with the uh, lady holding the flag. So he actually painted this wall on the Church of Supri of this like beautiful painting that it would actually be end up in the center of the Louvre had it not been on the church wall. If it's actually on a piece of canvas, you'd be in the middle of the Louvre. That's how great this painting is. But people who go in the church who don't know this have no clue. It's Delacroix's painting. Like this kind of stuff that you get to experience by walking with the locals, experts. I've never done one of these experiences. I want to now. Yeah, like you should definitely consider those. When you're traveling to different places, this is like the first thing I look for. Like in Paris, I took this, uh, you know, croissant making class, baking class. So we'll make a bunch of croissants, and I learned how to make a croissant. I love croissants. I want to take and that And dude, class. Paul, seriously. I love croissants. Seriously, Paul, listen to this. The best croissant that I ever had in my life were the ones that I made in the uh, class. I want one. <laughs> I'm not even I'm not like even bragging about myself. It's not me. It's like, he's a good cook. Yeah. He's a good teacher. The best croissant I freaking had was the one that I made I myself. I love a fresh croissant. In Paris. When they're crispy and soft and warm. Yeah, and I realize how much butter is in there too. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I only have half a piece and like I know how much oh, no. butter is in that thing. I can have a full piece. Just have one and that's it. It was so freaking good. Like the way how they make the butter is different. It's very unique. Wow. So there's like one experience in Paris. And I did so many. Okay, there's not a very awesome one. I did this in Rome. Like you know Rome is built on top of the old city, right? Yeah. So... Like when you dig deep underneath, see that's why the Roman, <laughs> the Roman subway system is really messed up. It's like bad. It's like really bad. 
like their subway just like it's just awful and the reason behind it is because when they're trying to dig tunnels for the subway every time they dig down some like historical site will come up mm-hmm. and you can't dig anymore <laughs> it's like you have to wait for the city to give you approval like what do you just find there is it like a national treasure or what is it right yeah because like it's thousands of years of history yeah like when they dig below like they will find some more historical sites yeah so it's very hard for the uh, the city of Rome to like create like this efficient modern like subway system yeah so anyway so I was in Rome and I found this really cool tour is with a archaeologist wow so he can take me to the newly discovered archaeological sites that you can go by yourself tourists cannot go unless you're with a actual licensed archaeologist wow so he took me to this site that's right outside of Rome about like 30 minutes away and like we walked through this woods we walked through this like forest these little hills and like through this like he's like oh let's go in here it's like some small tiny row that leading to this like metal door and I realized behind this metal door is a site so you open this thing gave me this like whole you know gear that looked like I was like looked like I was in the movie of Breaking Bad when they're making like drugs in the like outfit this like you know plastic outfit with like the gear that lights everything and they will walk in there and it's this basically maze of you know archaeological sites that connected to some of the uh, catacombs they discovered so when they were doing diggings they found catacombs they break open they found some like basically uh bearing bearings of like old roman people wow and there's still skulls and bones in there so when we go in there they haven't finished it yet he took me into the catacomb that they discover and he showed me like look at this is a skull that's like a pinky bone and he showed me different color bones wow and he showed me like see like how people at that time are way shorter you can see the length of the tomb is like way shorter than you know people today mm. so like that's the kind of experience you can have with Airbnb experience very 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 unique and how much do these cost? dude not much most of it is like 40, 50, 60 dollars oh my gosh I'd pay a lot more for that that's what I'm saying like see this kind of things like is doesn't cost much money and you can have a freaking incredible experience in Japan Another great one. I was in uh, uh, Kyoto. So Kyoto is one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, Tokyo is great. I love Tokyo. You know, it's a big city. They got some really cool stuff there. You can find almost anything in Tokyo. But Kyoto is very unique. It's, I would say, well, it has been the capital of Japan for so long before Tokyo became the capital. And it's also the center for its religious, um, basically, environments you know because in Japan you have two major religions you have Buddhism which is pretty big and then you have this natural you know religion that came from Japan which is Shinto which is basically uh, polytheism they believe everything has spirits there is a spirit for everything for a tree for a table for fire um, anything you can see there is a God for okay and in Kyoto there is basically every couple blocks you walk there's a Shinto shrine there's a Buddhist temple it's literally the city of a thousand temples and I went there in um, the end of the summer I went there in the fall 2018 I came back there again in the spring 2019 but 
So in the fall, I went to Kyoto. I booked this Airbnb experience with this guy. And he's one of the most wonderful person I met. Like, I felt like I robbed him by only paying $70. At the end of the experience, it's like a five-hour bike ride. Again, biking through Kyoto. He's basically showing us all the most famous temples and shrines. And gave us like a historical tour. Wow. And because he knew all the um, people who run those temples, so they would take special care of us. Like show us hidden places they normally don't show tourists. And they made their special green tea for us. So you get all those like connections and see things that you just don't normally get. And the end of the tour, after like six hours of biking in the city, we end the tour at his family-owned restaurant for like a hundred years. That passed on by his family. And we had dinner at his family restaurant, and the dinner is included. Oh my gosh. We're tasting like four different kind of sake. And I only pay like 60 or $70. I felt like I robbed him. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. He probably <laughs> enjoys doing it so much though. He did. And like for him, it's also like, it's like a nice fun hobby for him to do on the weekend because he can do like a four or five pure tour yeah. and make like $300 for yeah. one day, right? Just sharing things he loves. He's just sharing his hometown. That's his home. Yeah. That's kind of cool, right? Like, it's yeah. good for him. Like, I like to support his people. Like, they're sharing his passion. I like to support that one ar- architect who loves architecture. And I want to pay him, pay her money to support her. Because yeah. these are people that share things they're passionate about. Yeah. I want to support the archaeologists who show me the underground room. I want him to make money from me. Yeah. Right? So you can do this kind of stuff. You can like have a fantastic once-a-lifetime experience and support the people who are doing cool things. We've been together three months, and you just mentioned this now, Hugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's cool enough for you to hang out with me already, so it's cool. You're all good. <laughs> but like, that's kind of thing that you can do uh, when you go on solo. See, that's why like I can go on solitude and travel and never feel lonely because I'm not really technically by myself. Yeah. I did. I almost do a do like an Airbnb experience almost every two or three days for the entire two three months of traveling in Europe. Mm. So I did about like fifty experiences just in that three months period. I'm wrong. I want to do some. There's so many trips I've been on. I could have used that. Yeah. Now you know. Yeah. So next time when you go to South America, you can do the Airbnb experience there. Yeah. And now they have actually expanded. I just recently checked that they expanded their now selections. You can do. Uh, three to four day long trips now. Like wow. for example, this one I want to tell you about this one is that they can take you a a very special route to hike to Machu Picchu. That's not like a normal route that you just get off the bus and walk a couple hours and get there. No, it's a three day trip. You walk to Machu Picchu. I'm doing it. And they will guide you there. I'm doing it. That is freaking awesome. I see that's the kind of thing that's the kind of shit I want to do when I travel I'm doing it I'm going to Peru I'm doing it yeah so they have this kind of stuff now and it's available you know so when you travel like it doesn't cost a ton of money so you can budget that into your experience isn't that amazing you know? you're describing most people's dreams like dream life and most people can do that right now yeah it is it's way less than people imagine your cost yeah like you just need to go discover this kind of things, really. So a few, from my end, a few kind of tips that I found. Um, one I already said, choose an airline and get one of those credit cards. 
that you'll get 40, 50, 60, 70,000 mile bonus just for signing up. Right, like the Chase Sapphire, give you like 50,000 yeah. miles, something like that. I got yeah. the American Airlines card right now. I got like 60,000 when I signed up for it. Mm -hmm. And they just keep adding up, keep adding up. Uh, and it's just great because I can just use them whenever and get free flights or really discounted flights. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of these, when you get the cards, you'll get something like a free check bag or something. A lot of great bonuses that make it easier. Yeah. Um, obviously, right now I'm in the, you know, traveling in my car mode, which is great because I never have to rent a car. You know, I don't have to get into planes. I don't have to be around people. So traveling in a car is great. And then another thing we haven't really talked about is minimalism. Right. Mm, it makes it so much yes. easier to just have less stuff. Dude, like I did a three month trip in Europe with only one checking su suitcase. I'm sorry, not checking. The carry on. Carry on. I did my entire three months trip in Europe and Asia in one carry-on and one backpack. Like I went entirely minimal. I didn't even have a checking bag, yeah. none, just a backpack and a freaking carry-on because I took out everything that I don't need. I got one laptop, one cell phone, got my all my international charging things. And I went very minimal with my clothes. Like I actually get special clothes just for travel. Like I told you about the t-shirts I got, right? That made out of merino wool. That's basically, you can actually wear that t-shirt that dries, number one, it dries super fast. So when you're walking a lot in the day, biking a lot, when you sweat, it dries super fast. And it does not smell. Okay, and you can hand wash it and it dries in just like a yeah, few hours. So you don't need a washer dryer. Exactly. I can actually live for months without washer and dryers. Like a couple of t-shirts I can rotate with. That dries super fast. And it also keeps very clean. So, like you can go super minimalistic. Yeah, when you took me to Nevada, you said you're buying a suitcase. I bought one, and you said, no, that's too big. And you made me go back and get a smaller one, and you said, this is what you're going to live out of. And when I bought it, I was like, there's no way. And now I've, I've seen I can fit all my stuff in there. Yep. Just don't collect too many rocks in your way. No, I collect them, and then I bring them <laughs> back to my storage unit back home in Denver. <laughs> or I'll, I'll ship them to myself. Yeah. But yeah, being minimalistic is very... Yeah, because you were able helpful. to put all your stuff in storage. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm able to keep one room that holds all my stuff and the room's still usable. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't have that much stuff. Yeah. I see the things like, I was just thinking about, Elon Musk just sold all his homes. You read about that, right? Yeah. I think uh, last month, he came on the Joe Rogan podcast and said, you know what, I'm selling all my homes. Like, he's going to go renting. Not because like, he actually need the freaking money. He's just like, no, like I don't think that kind of worldly possession is important to me. Like for me, see, like for me, Paul, like for many, many years, I never really had a desire to buy a home. I never did. Even when I was in business, where everybody would talk about like, you know, big houses and whatnot, I just never really had a desire. For me, it's like, I, like first of all, I don't want to live in one place forever. Especially like when I haven't traveled all through the world first. Like, yeah. I haven't even seen like majority of the world. Like how do I how know like what where I want to stay for a long period of time? Yeah. Or for like 10, 20 years. Yeah. Like I want to stay in a place for a couple of months and then bounce. Yeah. And check out some other places so I can find what I actually like. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll find a place that like I really love this place. After I've been to like fifty countries. And after I living like, you know, three hundred cities. I was like, you know what? I do like this place out of all the three, four hundred cities I've ever been to, this is number one. Maybe at that point, I'll be interested in buying that place. But like, you know, getting rid of like worldly possession in a way is like it gets you free. It sets you free. 
having one carry-on luggage in all my trips, it set me free. Because I realized I got to be so happy with having li- so little of things. I realized the experiences and what I'm seeing and the people I'm with, that makes me so much more happy. I do not have happiness attached to any real possessions I own. Yeah, their experiences. Yeah, like right now, the most attached things I have is my camera. <laughs> and that's the only thing I'm really kind of attached to because I really fell in love with photography the last maybe like six months. And that's about the only thing I'm really attached to. Besides everything else, it's like, meh, I can kind of have it, maybe not. I just, my yoga pants, I'm attached to that one. <laughs> I do a lot of yoga. I love my yoga pants and my yoga mats. I think that's about the three three things I need. My yoga, my yoga equipment, my yoga pants. And my uh, my camera, you know? Well, a couple other things I was going to mention. Yeah, go for it. So for me on Airbnb, for anyone that's renting a place, like the number one thing is the first photo that comes up. Mm. I want to see an amazing view. That's like the number one thing of, of all the places you and I have booked is the first photo has to be an amazing view. Like mm. that's what I care about. I want to look out the window, hear something, see something that just blows my mind. Um, and then so, yes, of, of course, negotiating. Got that first one 50% off, the second one 30% off. This one, I think, I don't know, another 30% off. Um, so it's definitely negotiating, having, um, you know, having someone to travel with makes it easier because you and I can get, you know, really nice places and split it. Yeah. Like but, this place right now, how much is this place? Uh, 38? After 38, but we're going to get four, around 400 back for the deposit mm-hmm. so 34 yeah so we're paying $1,700 each something like that for living the mountain for a month yeah it's freaking awesome yeah in a really nice place yeah so and this is the most expensive place we've chosen all the other ones are very minimal mm-hmm. how about like traveling through so Paul okay, I want you to share a little bit more about your experience in Central America South America yeah because you've been to Jamaica, Caribbean 15 times. Yes. I you've been to Peru. Twice. Twice. You've been to Guatemala. Or Honduras. Honduras. Costa Rica. How many times that? Uh, I went to Honduras twice. I went to Costa Rica once. Okay. So you've done a, quite a good amount of traveling in Middle and Central. I mean, Central and South America. Yeah. Love it there. So you can go, go into a little bit there. Like, what's your experience and tips yeah. traveling through? So I've, yeah. I've been to the Caribbean 15 times. 15 times to Jamaica. Freaking love Jamaica. Um, those are more for business trips though so it's not normal traveling mm-hmm. um, one of the things I learned from going there though is how much I love knowing what it's like to really live there aside from the first time I went there I never stayed in a hotel mm-hmm. I always stayed with friends um, and I got to see what it was like to really live there to have the real meals to know like that's what I want mm-hmm. and every time I'd go there it was never more than a few days and it was always hard because a few days is not enough you know, it was always very, very hard for me to just go for four or five days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no. I've always had a passion for um, uh, Spanish culture. Um, I love the everything about it, the food, the music, the fun, uh, the language. I just find the language beautiful. I love Spanish. I've been studying it all my life. And the señoritas. Yes. <laughs> the beautiful Latina ladies. <laughs> The very curvy, beautiful, great smiles, confident, direct women. I love it. Um, and uh, 
So I went for the first time. I, I dated a beautiful, amazing lady from Honduras. So I went to Honduras twice uh, while we were together. Um, and uh, that was a really cool experience. Tegucigalpa is a very cool city. It's one of the few cities in the world, Hugh, where mm -hmm. the airport is right in the center of downtown. Right? Typically, the airport's <laughs> outside of... Wait, what? Is right in the center of downtown? Yeah. I haven't seen that before. Right? It's That's one of the few cities in the world. Somebody told me it's one of the biggest cities in the world that still does it. Um, but their airport is right downtown. <laughs> so as you're flying, you're so close to the buildings. <laughs> and of course, they're very concerned because it's very easy, you know, opportunity for some kind of terrorism or something. So they yeah. have to be really careful. And if there's a crash or whatever. So that 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 was a cool experience. Yeah. Um, so I got to go there twice. I got to go off the coast of Honduras. A lot of people don't know there's three islands. Um, Guanaja, Utila, and Ratan. Most people know Ratan. Ratan. Got to roll the R's. Most people know Ratan. Um, it's a, um, a mainly English-speaking area because it's where all the tourists go. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the biggest of the three islands. Mm -hmm. There's a group of people there that um, came from Africa. And so they're Africans that all speak Spanish. And then they speak their own dialect. And they're also a very poor community, and they all live there. Um, I got to go experience it. It was quite an experience. Um, and uh, in Ratan um, was uh, uh, um, the, the second largest coral reef in the world. And they say it's behind the one in Australia. Mm. Um, and they say it's better because it's more preserved. Less people yes. have used it. So it's one of the best scuba diving places. And so when I went there, I actually used this app that I highly recommend to people called Couchsurfing. Um, mm. where it's like Airbnb, but you can stay for free. Yeah, I know, I was hoping, yeah. Um, mm. And so me, um, this young lady and her son, we stayed on an airbed in this woman's living room, <laughs> which was awesome. We didn't have to pay anything. It was fun. The only thing was there was a hole in it. So throughout the day, <laughs> I kept waking up to the, there'd be not being enough air, and I'm kind of on the ground. So in the middle of the night, I would turn on. They had like an electric filler. So in the middle of the night, I'd turn on this loud thing and fill it right back up again. Because I was like, I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> um, and Actually, then, let me jump in there real quick. People don't know, like if you want to go really, really super duper budget, yeah, uh, couch surfing is an option. Yeah, if you're not afraid of uh, you know staying in some people's home in uh, a basically airbed that you know, yeah, or a couch or yeah, something. There's like you just like don't you don't pay them. Yeah. So, I mean, for single ladies, maybe they need to be a little bit more careful with that. I mean, it's like Airbnb, though. You can vet the people. You get to see them yes. beforehand. Yeah, I haven't done it before, but I know you can just see the reviews as well, too. Yeah. So, usually, they're also very, like, you know, great people for them to open up like that, right? Yeah. So, it's, like, a really good option for people who just, like, you know, don't care Minimal. about any amenities. Yeah. You just want, to like, somewhere you can lay down and sleep. Yeah. Couch or air bed. Yeah. You know, you don't care much about comfort, but you just want to like, really go, like, save money. That's what a lot of students do. Yeah. In the teens and early 20s, they just don't have much money to even spend on Airbnb. They just go on couch surfing. Yep. And there's an app you can or download hostels. to do that. Yeah. Or hostel. Those are like the, probably the cheapest way to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was funny. So that <laughs> that's like in the freaking forest. And uh, that was right when I started my 428-day uh, trek of running a mile every day. Mm -hmm. And so I was committed to do it. So I ran up and down this mountain in the pouring rain one night. And uh, I mean, can you imagine this? Like there was an 11 year old kid. He's like, what the hell is this guy doing? And she's just like, they couldn't believe it. But it's like, I really wanted to accomplish this. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, it was fun. Unbelievable food by the water all the time. Mm -hmm. um, food. 
Oh, so man, good. when it comes to traveling, food is like... I'm all about seafood. <sighs> and man, do they have great seafood. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, going to Honduras, beautiful people. Normally, I go by the ocean. But, you know, before that, I'd only gone to the Jamaica in, in that area. So it was weird. Tegucigalpa's inland. Rotan was my perfect mixture. I could definitely see myself getting a place out there. I have a close family friend that has a place there. And I'm going to go back there because I want to learn to scuba dive. And that's the place to do it. Mm. Um, so I went there twice, Jamaica, a whole bunch of times. Uh, and then last year, I went to Peru twice. Um, now, this is an adventure because both times it was three plane rides to get there. Um, the to fly first. So the first time I went it was from New York to Mexico City. So I'd never been to Mexico, any of these countries by myself or ever before. So I flew from New York to Mexico City, then from Mexico City to Lima, then from Lima to Iquitos. It's a whole day of traveling. It's just crazy intense. One of the things I love about getting on those flights, just like when I get on the flight to Jamaica, it's like I'm already in the country. Like when I get, cause I would fly to Kingston, tourists don't go to Kingston. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I get on the plane for Kingston, Jamaica, it's like I'm already in Jamaica. I'm surrounded by Jamaicans. Mm -hmm. I freaking love it. <laughs> so same thing when I get on these planes to like Mexico city or whatever, yeah. I'm surrounded. Like the main language is Spanish already. I'm surrounded by people uh, in that culture. And I feel like <laughs> I'm already there. Mm. And so it was cool. I went to Mexico city. I snuck outside the airport for a moment mm -hmm. just so I could experience it. Uh, it was cold. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, and then flew to Lima. Lima is a wonderful city. Uh, I really liked Lima, packed with people. Um, and then from there to Iquitos, and that's in the middle of the jungle. Uh, I heard that it's the largest city in the world that's only accessible by plane or by boat. There's no cars. There's no road to there because it's in the jungle. So you mm. can't drive there. Um, it is along the Amazon River. So, that, you know, you can take the river there. You can fly planes. And it's amazing because we're getting off these massive planes and then it's like this tiny airport. But it's so busy because it's, you know, I went there for two ayahuasca retreats and mm -hmm. they, they call it the ayahuasca capital of the world. Their whole mm -hmm. economy is around ayahuasca and around oh, really? tourism. Yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, which is good and bad. You know, there's there's great people who are doing it great. And then there's people doing it, you know, just for profit. And then they. Oh, don't yeah. You know what? I definitely want to check. Uh, chime in here as well, too. So when you travel, do look out for people who are you know, like basically targeting tourists. That's one thing that people who maybe haven't traveled oh, enough yeah. need to be careful for. Like it yes. is everywhere. In Anywhere Rica, you go. They got me. Yeah, like it happens almost everywhere. The only exception that I think I never got the feeling was probably Japan. Like I don't think they have any like body like predatory towards like, you know, tourists. Yeah. But like almost everywhere else you kinda of even Europe, you see that. Like in uh, uh Italy um, I think there was a yeah. It's, I, I need to. I kind of heard things about this before, but like this taxi driver, you know, want to get on taxi ride to go to where I'm staying um, from the airport, and he basically I think charged me double, and he didn't deny use his meter. Like yep. you gotta be careful. Like so, if they don't use a oh, meter, yeah. and, like you gotta tell them, hey, look, I you need to just turn a meter on, because if you don't have a meter on, they'll just charge you whatever they want. I know. I've had that happen. I paid way, I paid like, it was supposed to be probably $3 and I paid $20 when I was in Poland. Exactly. They like, they, they look at you as like, this is your money making machine right there. So yeah. they'll go after Especially you. Especially in the poorer countries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, well, it's a really poor country. Like I don't feel as bad about it because like, you know. They need the money. They need money. Like, okay, a couple bucks, no big deal. But it still makes you, doesn't feel good because, you know, you felt like they're 
just like using you and you yeah. feel being used, right? You feel yeah. being like deceived. Yeah. So it's still not a good feeling. But I guess in poorer countries that you kind of just don't feel as bad about. Like, <laughs> so this is kind of a little bit funny story. I'm not sure how I feel about this one yet. I'm still yeah, unpacking this one. Is that in uh, Morocco, I went to Morocco last year. And obviously Morocco's economy is hugely based on uh, European travelers. Like that's like the place to go for a lot of European tourists because it's like only one canal like apart from uh, Spain. Mm. Like you can literally see Spain from uh, the coastal city, you know, of uh, Morocco, the closest city there. And it's like a short flight. It's like an hour and a half flight from Paris to go to Marrakech. And it's definitely a beautiful country. Incredibly fun people. Uh, very interesting culture. Um, I stay in the Riyadh. So this is actually a very interesting Riyadh culture there. So Riyadh is kind of like a... It's almost like a, a hotel almost in a way. Kind of feel like that way. And it's like a building basically with um, usually five to ten rooms. Maybe I, maybe I not call it a hotel. It's like a building with five to ten rooms. That's called Riyadh. It used to be owned like by the big families. You know, of uh, they usually have a little bit of money, right, in the Marrakesh. And they would have this uh, in a building with five to ten rooms, even more sometimes. But Morocco people... Moroccans are very private. It shows in all areas in their, uh, in their culture, in their life. Like, for example, when you see a Moroccan walk in the street, and if you're a tourist, you're trying to take a picture, you see them doing this right away. They will hold their hand in front of their face to cover their face. They do not want to be any pictures. And then you see also the, the way how the real is structured. You can also tell they're very private. So this can be a building with like 20 rooms inside. But when you walk by, you can't tell because it has no build, it has no windows showing how many rooms they have, and just like a very average door. So only when you walk inside, you see, oh wow, this is freaking like a palace mm. with swimming pools with like twenty rooms. Like now, they, a lot of those turn into investments, become hotels now that people can stay. I actually stay in a Riyadh when I was in Marrakesh. It's like. It's also part of very cultural, right? It's not like a hotel. It's actually very cultural. But very interesting culture there. And in Marrakesh, this one experienced some like pretty predatory, <laughs> like trying to scam like tourist money. Yeah. And like that has turned into like a major economy for them. Yeah. And like it's very common that they will like charge you double, triple, or even quadruple the cost. Yeah. And with very, very low quality. Yeah. So you'd be helpful if you hire some local guide through like Airbnb experience, like here's what I did, okay? My first day arrival. Can we move inside? I'm cold. Yeah. All right, Hubert, continue your story. What was it talking about? Oh yeah, so the first day I arrived at uh, Marrakesh, I hired a uh, local guide right away from uh, Airbnb experience. And it's good to do it the first day because they will give you so many tips on what to do, what to avoid, and just like the things to look out for, you know? So my first day getting in there, uh, I hired a tour guide to kind of walk me through some of the most famous places in Marrakesh. And he kind of pointed out like, oh yeah, like don't buy place, don't shop in this area. You know, they kind of give you like some tips. Okay, well, if you buy, here's how much you, can, you should negotiate because here's what it really costs. Because as soon as like the shopkeeper knows that you are a foreigner and that's what they'll charge you extra money or give you things, they'll tell you like what to look out for, for like fake stuff. 
I mean, obviously not everybody does that, but a lot of people do it. So he would teach me, like, okay, well, here's how you can find the real things. And here's how you can tell. Like, for example, I need to get those, uh, I forgot what it's called. Basically, it wraps around your head and cover your mouth when you go into a desert, right? And the good ones are made out of cotton. And it really should only cost maybe like 5, 10 euros at most. And that's even great for them already. It's enough profit for them. It's very cheap, right? Because like 10 euros for them is like a lot of money. Um, but then like if you don't know, they will like charge you 25, 30 euros for like a fake one. Some people, like some people would, right? So he taught me like what to look out for, how to tell the difference. So like the first day, if you're arriving somewhere that you know, it has like some people that are trying to scam you. It's good to book your first Airbnb experience the first day or the second day right away. So you can actually get to ask some questions and like, you know, let them tell you what to look up for. I'm eating an amazing peanut butter and jelly sandwich right now. Yeah, it looks really good. Makes me hungry, bro. Shout out to my friend Nate Brost. He shot me. He taught me the magic of peanut butter jelly. Oh yeah, what is that? Gotta that share they're magical. Gotta, you gotta share the secret, man. People are waiting for the secret now. <laughs> I once made the sandwich. I got homemade bread, like this homemade whole wheat bread that was just amazing. I got homemade peanut butter and like homemade jelly, and I put all this together. I was like this was the most glorious sandwich I ever had. Mm -hmm. So what's the secret to it? You should save the last bite for me, bro. Oh, make your, you can make another one. You're gonna make it for me. I don't know the secret. You're gonna, you're gonna the, secret the secret is love, Hugh. <laughs> make it with love. Yeah, how do you translate into making a peanut butter jelly sandwich, though? <laughs> you're gonna translate it. It takes many years of training. <laughs> like I'm not make, sure you're there. Like that. making the sushi rice. Do Like those, uh, you know, the uh, the top Japanese restaurants, I mean, the sushi restaurants, the chef, like the top chef, if you wanna be their like, apprentice, like the, the first four years, all you do is make rice. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. Like for real, like your first four years, you don't even get to make anything else but make rice. Like how to wash rice, how to like, um, because like they got a lot of things they add to the rice. Like sushi rice ain't no joke. There's a lot of things going to it. People don't know, like a good rice takes a lot of efforts. But they add like vinegar to create like the kind of texture, a texture to the rice. And how you hold it, how you how much pressure, like how sticky the rice should be, like it's all very very unique and special. So, if you actually get to experience some of the top Japanese sushi restaurants, like you see, the main chef usually like is pretty old because you gotta walk work your way up there. You see the apprentice running around like before you can even touch the fish, you already spent like four or five years washing like rice and making rice. Wow. Yeah, it's a real thing. I can't wait to go to this. Uh, so there's like a damn, I forgot his name, but he's the considered like the god of sushi. There's a, actually a, a documentary about him. It's called The God of Sushi, I think. I think he's like 90 years old now. Um, he still owns the same tiny restaurant in some like uh, subway station. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, and they only got like maybe like eight seats. Yeah. And he can only serve like some 20 people a night. Yeah. Like Obama went there, whoever went there. Like, it, like to book a seat at that place is super hard, incredibly hard. And he's still like the most traditional way of doing it. Like if you want to be apprentice at his shop, yeah, go wash 
rice for four years before you do anything else. Yeah. You know? It's pretty incredible. I hope he's still alive. Yeah, I wanna I wanna book that place one point at one point and try it out. Like I'll yeah, I'll spend four hundred bucks just for that. Yeah, so would I. Mm-hmm. I would pay a lot of money for good sushi. Mm-hmm. Right. Do so one more thing. Um single top of sushi. The best um tuna fatty tuna sushi I ever had was in Hawaii. I paid forty five dollars for two pieces of sushi. It was so damn good. <laughs> it's not like any kind of tuna I ever had because like normal tuna I had here, like you know it's like red and like very like you know, um it's kinda of like a piece of muscle, like a piece of meat, right? Yeah. But that tuna is just like fat. Yeah. It's almost like pure fat. It's so freaking good. Yeah. Anyways, so I'll mention that real quick. Go ahead. Are you gonna make me my uh, peanut butter jelly? No, I'm gonna tell you about Latin America. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So, Peru. So I was talking about how I went to Peru twice last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Mexico City, Lima, Iquitos. So once in Iquitos, like I said, this is a huge city right in the middle, right by the Amazon River. Yeah. Um, you can you can go to these animal pr- preserves. I d- I recommend if you go out there, don't go to one of the like places where you can actually hold the animals although i did it they really abuse the animals and because they're touching so many humans it's really bad for them oh yeah that's like one thing people should really understand is like you really shouldn't go to any animal shows or anything that's really like the animals like being capped or owned by the humans well so that's what i was going to say we went to an animal sanctuary where we couldn't touch the animals Mm -hmm. and this is where they actually took care of them this was really nice Yes. We also went to a place where they just abused them and it was not okay. Yeah, no. Like I went to, uh, last year I was in uh, Cambodia for Thanksgiving. Uh, in one of the temple trips, they have like this couple of elephants outside. And I was really happy to see that everybody in my group, like we we're all unanimously like, nope, we are not participating in this. Nobody get on the fucking elephant. Nobody take a picture with it. Nobody get on it. Because we do not support that. Mm-hmm. Because we know, like, they are not treated well. Yeah, I heard that they hit them in the head with a hammer to make them stupid or something. I mean, like, think about it, right? How how does a human being, which can be squashed in one, one stump, able to control a massive animal like elephant? You have to do some pretty brutal things yeah. to control it. Very, very simple, right? Yes. Imagine how do you control that thing? You have to find when it was like a baby elephant. You probably have to do some shit to control it. Yeah. So like, yeah, like in our group, like we no, we don't do anything. Nobody does anything. We're not gonna support that. And it pretty, should be stopped. Were know? they pretty surprised that you did that? Um, I think no. I think people start waking up to that now more and more often. I think. Oh, okay. I think they're getting less and less business. I think the government also trying to make a law now that no, no more like elephant taking picture, writing for tourists. Yeah. I think the government is trying to pass that law too. That's good. Yeah, which is a definitely a step forward. You know? Yeah. It just shouldn't, shouldn't exist. Like, put this elephant in an elephant refugee, we'll pay to help you keep it, and we'll watch it from a distance when the elephant are in the natural habitat. Yes. That I will do. Yeah. I'll support for that. And I'll be happy to pay to help you run the business. Let the elephant, elephant be in your own nature. You yeah. Know? So anyway, um, one of the benefits of going to that animal place was I got that great photo of that sloth. Me and my sloth. <laughs> yeah, I remember that picture. That was, that was your 
That should be your profile picture, Paul. <laughs> you are so happy in that picture. Yeah, the same smile. You're the same smile. I know. You and the slot, the same smile. I know. You know what? After we release a podcast, you should have one week just you the profile picture is you and the slots. <laughs> so you can I tell what we're talking about. Profile picture a long time now. I've changed it now. You should bring it back for a week. <laughs> just so people when we release a podcast, they can see the smile of you and the right, slot together. It's for um, one week. Put it out there for a week. And then anyway. Um, I won't go into depth about the uh, ayahuasca experience. It was life-changing. Um, scariest thing I've done. The, something I'm the most proud of that I've done. We'll do an episode of that after we're done together. We'll, we'll do a separate episode on yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, just in terms of the travel part, both times I went, I was in the actual jungle. So outside, of, we went an hour and a half outside the city down a, a mud road where there's it's mud. There is no road. Um, and uh, into the jungle and I stayed in the jungle 10 days the first time 11 days the second time um, it was an unbelievable experience the number one thing was the sounds the sounds of the birds the sounds of the animals at night it's something I'll never ever forget and I didn't have this recorder at the time next time I go back I'm gonna record it it was just the birds I mean I would go on I would just disappear with my camera and mm-hmm. just just take photos of, of beetles of of snails i mean things and colors i've never <laughs> seen before mm-hmm. i saw the most orange bird i've ever seen in my life i got a photo of it <laughs> you gotta show it to me i got the most the cleanest beetle the most beautiful frog the trees i mean it's look yes was the elements tough sure there was thousands of mosquitoes and i got As I must say like how, how beautiful the mosquitoes yeah, but it was it <laughs> was the hundred percent humidity every day and it's hard to sleep at night because it's so humid it was so worth it though at one point i went almost a mile into the jungle by myself just to see what it'd be like to be totally unplugged mm-hmm. and both times i didn't bring my phone you know nobody was getting a hold of me i was completely unplugged for that time period it was mm-hmm. amazing um and uh on the way back the first time i actually um, oh man, I went on this adventure. So I'd used up all my money because I bought up all this stuff. So I had like nothing left. Like I think I had, I got $20 from a friend and then I had like seven other dollars outside of that. Mm-hmm. And so I hit a huge break though. I think I arrived in Lima at like 5 a.m. and my flight wasn't until whatever, the evening. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, I'm going to go explore Lima. So I had just enough money to take the taxi to where I wanted to go which were, there's these ancient ruins right in the center of Lima. Really mm-hmm. cool to see. And so I spent whatever it was, 20, 30 bucks, whatever I had on that one way without knowing how the hell I'm going to get back. No idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had to bring all my luggage with me. There's nowhere I could leave it. Um, and so I show up at the ruins. They don't allow check bags. So I have to go to the, the gift shop and I convinced them to let me leave my bags in the gift shop. I say, I promise I'll come buy a whole bunch of stuff afterwards. And so I went on the tour and this is at a point when my camera battery was dying so I could only take five photos and it was at the end of my trip. So I was just like, it was an unbelievable experience. And so after the tour ends, um, I, I, my credit card's not working. And I'm like, shoot. So I, they show me where there's an ATM. I go on a long walk, finally find the ATM. None of my debit cards will work. <laughs> and so I don't have any cash. Nothing will work at this point. Mm-hmm. I can't get it to work. I go back, I tell them how sorry I am, and they're like, no, they were fine with it. I took my stuff. And then now I had to go on a walk. I had to get from across town without, with almost no money. So I find a taxi, I tell them where I want to go, 
And then I, I, I finally tell him how much money I have. And I, I still had some pesos from Mexico. So I was like, he brought me somewhere to convert. And he's like, wait, this is all the money you have? Get out right now. So he, <laughs> kicked, he kicked me out. And he's like, go that way. There's a train. So I walk to the train. I have no idea where I'm going. Yeah. I have no idea how to get there. And I'm, I'm talking to a lady trying to figure out I have to buy a train card. And she just finds a guy who speaks English like, hey, will you help him? This guy helps me, gets me the train card, gets me on the train, tells me the exact stop to get off of. We chat the whole time. I get off at this stop. He tells me, take, go find these vans, get in a van. It'll be like, so I, I had, I think, $7 left in coins of just change. Mm-hmm. I used, uh, I think, 3 or $4 for the train. You know, I was on the train with this guy for a while. Yeah. Tell me, get off the stuff, get off. He's like, as soon as you get off, go find these large vans and it'll cost you a dollar to get a ride from there to the airport. And so after all this, I, f- I find one of these vans and I've got huge luggage. So I take up two seats and they pack this thing with things, people. And every few minutes, this guy keeps getting out of the car and he has the door open the whole time. He's like half open, just like, who wants a ride? Who wants a ride? Always getting more people. And then they charge me. Eventually, I got there and they charged me for two seats. So I had to pay $2. So not only did I make it all the way there, I had mu- enough money to get there to buy a bottle of water. Mm-hmm. Like I made it. Like I couldn't believe it. I was like, I have to get across town. I got no money, no phone, and I have to get there in time for my flight. And I did it. Mm-hmm. It was an adventure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and then the, the second time, this is an even cooler story. The second time I said, let me, I really love layovers. I highly recommend you anybody. Love layovers? layovers. Uh-huh. Like, I love to go to, just plan, if I'm going somewhere there needs to be a connection, plan to have like 13 to 18 hours in between flights so that I can go and explore the city mm-hmm. in that small period of time and then go on. It's like its own little trip in one day. Mm-hmm. And so, the, first, the second time I went, I, I, uh, I did it in, um, uh, on the way there, I did it in Guayaquil, Ecuador. Uh, and then on the way back, I did it in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. So on the way there, Ecuador is an amazing place. Mm-hmm. And Guayaquil is a beautiful city right on the water. So, so much nature. There's, they have a whole island you could bike. And um, I just I showed up there at 5 a.m. My flight again is in the evening. I just get a, a ride to, to the water. And I, I watch the sunrise on the water. I walk along this pier for hours just enjoying myself, by myself, no phone, no connection outside world. Eventually I get to the end and I get a ride all the way to this nature park that's uh, free and I get to just see all these animals, like a zoo, all these animals I've never seen before. I made some friends, these people from Minnesota, we had a beer, we hung out, it was so much fun And um, and and then I went to the airport. It was a whole experience. Mm-hmm. I hiked up this mountain, uh, or I hiked up this, this huge hill where people live, and the Waikil was filled with cats, stray cats. Mm-hmm. And I had this one cat that followed me the whole time. And I hiked up all the way to this penthouse at the top of this hill. Mm-hmm. And it's this very famous place, and this cat was just hanging out. It was so Dude, it's interesting. Speaking of cats, I realized like, I was in uh, uh, Istanbul in Turkey, and also in Marrakesh, the people that the relationship with cats very awesome. I, I love this relationship they have with cats. Is that nobody owned the cats? Yes. Like they don't own the cats. Like the cats share the city with people. Yeah. And they're free to go to different people to visit them. Like cats will go to certain people's home, stay for a while, and they go to somebody else's home, and they will feed the cat. They will leave food for the cats, 
and they let them come in now like nobody yeah. owned them it's like that in latin america it's like amazing like i loved it because the cats are so free and they're so friendly yeah because people love the cats but they have this like very peaceful and also like non-ownership relationship mm-hmm. you know <laughs> <laughs> Paul, <laughs> I think you've had too much to smoke. Uh, you ruined my cast story. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be me and Jay? Uh, right now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll take one. <laughs> but tell the cat story. Is there more? I think that's it. I my inspirational cats are gone now. <laughs> in in the Caribbean, it's more dogs. They have wild dogs. Mm. Um. So I'll tell this story, then I'll make it for you. On the way back, I went to Mexico City, and I just showed up. I didn't know anything about Mexico because I had never been there before. Mm-hmm. I showed up, same thing, and uh, um, I, I just went downtown. Didn't have a hotel book for the night because my flight wasn't until the following morning, so I didn't have the hotel book. I said, I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know is there was the, 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 one of the biggest celebrations of the year was uh, uh, the Mexico City Pride Parade. And so the whole, every hotel is completely booked. Mm-hmm. So I show up in the downtown area, um, and it's just tons of people, concerts. It was totally fun. But every hotel I went to, we're booked, we're booked, we're booked, we're booked. I'm like, I was freaking out a little bit. I was getting mm-hmm. a little concerned. I finally found this really cheap hotel mm-hmm. that I could pay by the hour. Mm-hmm. But it seemed so, so sketchy. I was like, I don't want to stay here. Mm-hmm. And so I just kept walking, and I found this really nice guy mm-hmm. who spoke English, and he knew, kind of like the Airbnb experience. He knew mm-hmm. the area. He knew people. Mm-hmm. He finally he found a good hotel that I could stay in. And I was so exhausted because I just left the jungle for 11 days. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, he's like, yo, I'll take you on a tour. I'll take you all over. Like, I was like, bro, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I just need a piece of bed right now. Yeah, I did get to see some beautiful things. Though. The churches down there are just, wow, beautiful. Dude, like, speaking of church, um, that's like one of the most incredible experiences, like going and seeing churches in Europe. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, obviously the Catholic church has had such a long history in Europe, you know? Like, every single beautiful buildings almost all built by the Catholic, you know, church. And obviously the church itself are all just got so much money and talent poured into it. Like my favorite one is the uh, Sagrada Familia. It's the one that built by Gaudi in Barcelona. And that is the one that stands out the most, even though, even after seeing so many churches all over the in Europe. Because Gaudi is just like this, uh, he's this genius. That just done something that nobody else had done at the time. You know, he's, the church has been building up for over 200 years and never really finished. You know, but the entire thing is that when you walk inside, you feel like you're in the actual forest. Every single pillar and all the decoration make you feel like you're inside a forest. That's like nature, it's natural. That's how he designed a church. Um, every single being, there's nothing like completely straight line. You all have angles and curves, just like the nature. And that's like the most special church I've seen. Peanut butter and jelly, order up. Mucho gracias. Thanks, man. So what's the special uh, ingredient about this? It's called love. Mm. You're welcome. Thanks. 
it's quite an experience. Even though most of my trip was in Peru, those times when I did that, like I felt like I had my own, like it felt like a week vacation. I did so much in these other cities. And I got to be a little test of like, oh no, a city I would have never gone to, why I killed Ecuador, I'm gonna go back now. Mm. Freaking love that country. And then um, I just went to uh, Costa Rica in February. That was a real cool experience. Never been to the country, didn't know a soul in the country. Had no idea where I was going, booked an Airbnb. And it was amazing. My first night there, so I'm a musician. My first night there, I walked down the main strip. They call it the, La the where I went to was in Jaco. Is the, they call it the Las Vegas of Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. Big party area, lots of gambling, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Right on the ocean, it's beautiful. Um, I just walked down the main strip and I hear some, some live music. And I loved it. And there was this beautiful woman, um, just gorgeous. And she started singing with this soulful voice. And I was like, heck yeah. And I sat down and I was really nervous because like, I want to talk to this girl, mm -hmm. but I don't know what to do. And so I just sat there and eventually they goes, hey, this is an open mic so anyone can join. The moment they said it, I just got up, walked over. I said, I'm a beatboxer, I'll perform. Now I am a beatboxer and I had never performed in anything like this before, mm. but I didn't care. I was like, boom, here's my end. Here's how I could talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did it and it was so much fun. Mm. And I realized that all that judgment I had towards myself was all in my head. Like mm. I did great and I had fun. Mm. And from that night, I was there eight nights. I performed seven times in those eight nights that I was there. Wow. From that time that I was there. Damn, Paul. Because I befriended them. The next night, the, the, the guitarist invited me to go to this other restaurant and I performed with them again with a different, totally different group, totally mm -hmm. different sound. Mm -hmm. And then I got invited to this party for musicians, some, one of their mutual friends' birthday party, and I performed with another beatboxer actually, mm -hmm. um, and with that same girl and that, her group. And then I went to an open mic at this really cool bar, and I played with a rock band, and they'd never performed with a beatboxer before, and I did it. Nice. And then I performed with, uh, I did a, uh, on my last night, I performed uh, twice, and I did a whole a whole set with this with these two guitar player singers who were really great. I did a whole set with them, like fifty minutes nonstop beatboxing. Mm -hmm. And the last, um, um, and then the last, I did it again with her at a casino with her and her group. And it was so much fun. Mm. It was so good. And I didn't think I could do it. I was nervous, and I just did it anyway. And I by the end I was befriended the whole music community. I knew like all the people there. It was so much fun meeting these people, getting to know them. And I didn't take any time off work. I just kept working for all <laughs> It was freaking awesome, man. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's some of my experiences in Latin America. Mm. Speaking of uh, music, something I noticed, like, in Europe, um, stream music is such a big part of the culture there. Yeah. And they're all really, really good stream music. Like, in the U.S., I don't see as much of that. And I don't see as much of that in Asia neither, but in Europe though, like almost every city you go to, there's a bunch of just like performers mm -hmm. on the street, on a bridge, outside a museum, and they are all extremely talented, really, really good musicians. I really enjoyed it. Um, pretty much almost every single city I went to, there are stream musicians do performance. And I would stand there for like 30 minutes, an hour, just listening to the music and really enjoyed it. Yeah, we cover quite a lot about traveling. Yeah, maybe we should make this part one. We haven't even gotten to Nevada or Colorado. We got a lot more we haven't covered. We haven't covered our month in Nevada, our month in Colorado. 
our camping in the sand dunes for four weeks, <laughs> the archery that you did, all the time that we spent outside, mm-hmm. hiking up mountains in Colorado. Yeah, Nevada was definitely a huge highlight for me. Because yeah. that was like a perfect house, even though there's no amenities at all. Yeah, we were so yeah. nervous after being by the ocean and being this nice place where like we're going somewhere where there's no amenities, we're in the desert, we're, you know, no more ocean. Mm-hmm. But by the time that we get there, the first day, we just fell in love with the place, right? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that it has like a huge yard in the front and the back. Yeah. Like our neighbors are like hundreds of yards away. Yeah. Nobody around us. We have this huge yard I can play archery with. Yeah, uh, right from our back porch. Right on the porch. Uh, we're going to see the sunrise and the sunset of the mountains. Uh, 15 minutes away, we just get to this remote... Like, 15 minutes away, we're basically in the desert. Like, nobody. Yeah. Right? Just like, this, like one small highway go through. Just like empty land. Yeah, we'd hike up random hills and just watch the sunset. Yeah, like 15 minute drive and we just hike up some random places. It's beautiful, like every day, right? And obviously, going to Death Valley every weekend was just like, yeah, nothing else ever compared to that. Yeah, so four Fridays in a row to the sand dunes, and we camped in the sand dunes. Mm-hmm. The first time we went, we brought a tent, and it almost blew away. And then we got inside, and it was so hot that we had to keep to, which blocked out the bugs, but it was so hot that we had to keep opening it to cool off. And then eventually, we just got out of the tent because it was too hot. Mm-hmm. And then I remember we saw the stars, but it weren't that great um, because the moon was out. I didn't realize at the time. And then that first night I woke up at 3.30 in the morning and I wake you up and I go, Hugh, look. And we get out of the tent and we just see the Milky Way, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I've never seen the Milky Way so clear. Mm-hmm. The stars so clear. Three, and I was so exhausted and I just fought to keep my eyes open every moment I could to look at this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, because like Death Valley, like you are so far away from LA and uh, Vegas, so there's like very, very minimal light pollution. It's one of the least light polluted places in the US. And plus, like the desert skies, like there's nothing blocking your view. So when we lay in the sand dunes, like our entire vision is completely filled with the sky, like every corner, right? And yeah, that was. Uh, there's nothing like it. There's just nothing yeah. like it. Remember the last two times we saw wild horses? Oh, yeah, the wild horses. So, so this is the funny part. I picked the place because the owner posts a picture of wild horses on the Airbnb profile. Yep. And he basically, like, he lied. He said, like, he basically said, like, oh, you can see wild horses on our porch. There's no freaking way. No way. There's no way wild horses are going to in front of our porch. It's like when you're like an hour away from our house, like you're into the national, I mean, the, the national park, the Death Valley, that's when you see the wild horses and we did, we see them twice. Yeah. It's like a family of like five or six horses, like, you know, a group of horses. And that was awesome. Like seeing wild horses just living their life in the Death Valley. I didn't know they can survive there. Yeah. It's it so, so freaking hot in the summertime. I don't know how. Yeah. Where do they find a shade or where do they find a water? I actually don't know how they live, actually. But I'm sure they found their ways, but I just have no idea right now. And so this whole idea of camping came about the first time we went months earlier to Death Valley, which is the reason why we even stayed there. 
came back, um, we ran into this couple on the sand dunes who said that we ran into them twice, both in the sand dunes and on Dante's Peak, and they said that they camped at the sand dunes that night. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was so awesome. We'd sit up there with, you know, and turn on the recorder and chat about life and watch the sunset and watch the stars. And mm -hmm. man, we got to do it by ourselves twice. Second time we learned we didn't need a, a sleeping bag. Or sorry, we didn't need a tent, just a sleeping bag and a bottle of water. And it was so great. Friday, 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock, we're done with work, boom. I mean, for me, I turned off my computers, my cell phones. I, 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 did a, I actually did a food fast and a technology fast where I, I was off my phone and my computers and I didn't eat for 24 hours and I just went out and healed myself out in nature. And yeah. I just drank a bunch of water and hung out with you and it was beautiful and we got great photos. And the third Dude, that one morning sunrise, the sunrise the sunrise that one morning when the clouds were just reflecting on the red color i took so many great pictures there and that was some freaking special that was a sunrise painting. for me that was a painting that was really literally how we felt right looking at that in real life and in picture it just looked like we live in a painting the colors it's just unreal it looked like impressionist painting right there it did. That was like the coolest so sunrise I've ever experienced. I mean, that was a way to live the weekend. We'd go Friday, watch sunset, leave, watch the stars, catch a few hours of sleep, watch the sunrise. Oh, you know what? And we also watched the moonrise at night. Oh, yeah, the moonrise was very cool. Because uh, one of the Friday, the moonrise around like 10.30 p.m. over the mountains. So we saw the moon slowly coming out of the mountains. Almost like a sunrise, but it's like a moonrise. That was really cool. Very, very cool. Mm -hmm. It's the way to live the weekend, right? So we'd see the sun set. We'd see the stars, the, mm -hmm. the moon rise, the sun rise. And we'd be out by 6, 7 in the morning. Go back home, take a nap, and like spend Saturday chilling. And it's like the best way to spend a weekend. Yeah. And then that third time we did it, we brought our good friend Greg. And man, was that fun having him there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the fourth time we met this random girl, Alex, who came with us, and we got to sleep through a sandstorm. Yeah. We almost left because we saw it coming, and it got really windy, and we just said, no, let's just get in our sleeping bags, and we yeah. just... So after we get on top of sand, we saw this, like, huge, just, like, it just looked like a sand was coming towards us, a humongous one, right? And then we can feel that like, the wind is getting strong, like, sand blowing our face. And we're like, ah, should we go back to our car? But this looked like pretty intense. And then we decided, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna fight through this. And basically, it was a whole night of just like sand hitting our face. So all three of us, first of all, we had to find this like plant, desert plant, so we can all hide behind it, so we can minimize like you know the sand hitting our face. And then all three of us had to like basically put our entire body in the sleeping bag. <laughs> so we look like three, you know, just three bags you know of like sleeping bag there and it's how we get through a night and i think you got some fun recordings that too. yeah we, got it. we haven't listened to it i want to listen to it actually. yeah let's edit it in here too <laughs> we're adding like five seconds of it maybe yeah that's funny you give me some water no i don't be out of my sleeping bag you <laughs> give me some water i don't want to eat sand <laughs> man it was cool because the milky way came out that night too and i i would just keep pushing like looking until sand got in my eyes and then I get back into my sleeping bed. Yeah.
He was awesome. And that that third Friday, I remember, after we dropped off Greg at the airport, we hiked up that mountain in Las Vegas. Oh yeah, the Frenchman Mountain. Yeah, I found that because I was watching this show and this photographer is talking about like his favorite spot of Vegas. And looking at the angle of it, I found the mountain. There was a fun some freaking hike, man. We yeah, hiked. so it's hiking up this steep rocky mountain. Yeah. And then as soon as you get to the top, you gotta hike all the way down and then buy hike up another mountain to actually see the view. Yeah, we hiked it close to probably ten miles. Yeah. That day. And I didn't have any water with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I didn't wear my sandals hiking that one. <laughs> that would have been silly. And we got there right around the sunset time and we're gonna see the Vegas from the mountain view. It's just a complete different vibe of it. And we walked back in the dark. Yeah, we hiked down dark, and that was, uh, that was a one hell of a hike. Yeah, we, we've been really exhausted many times over these last three months. Yeah, just hiking, man. Yeah, I love Nevada, man. I bought a basketball hoop from Walmart, <laughs> built it myself. I played basketball all the time for three months or three weeks, mm -hmm. you were doing your archery, we'd go see sunsets whenever we wanted, mm -hmm. just a few minutes outside the city, we had our front and back balcony, mm -hmm. you could work on one, I could work on the other. Yoga every day, yeah, meditate every day. That's when you really got me into doing yoga every day, meditating every day, working out, you know, a couple times a week, doing yeah. pull-ups, mm -hmm. and I was just outside playing basketball, or jump roping, or kicking my football around, I taught myself how to punt a football, I was practicing how to dunk. I got a soccer ball. I got beanbag toss. I was just having a ball. Mm -hmm. I kicked the football off of a, uh, <laughs> a hill that we climbed, and yeah. it disappeared. Yeah, we thought it'd be pretty cool to have a drone video of the king of football, which is a really cool video, but it just cost the football. Yeah, I can't find it anymore. <laughs> I went to Walmart more times in a week than I have in a year. <laughs> yeah, that's the only place to shop there. Really, is the Walmart. Yeah. So we're not going to Walmart like once or twice a week. I think we only ate out there like once or twice the whole month. Yeah. We just cooked ourselves. Yeah. And like since then, I mean, since the month, I was barely went out to eat at all. We've been cooking. That was a very healing month for me, man. Mm -hmm. All that meditation and yoga and mm -hmm. you know and you know fasting, being out in nature. That was a really powerful month. Mm -hmm. Hearing our neighbor yell at his dog. <laughs> that is hilarious. I walked down our street <laughs> once, and it was the most unbelievable thing. First thing, one one house next to us is a guy, one of the police officers lives there. Then I go down to a couple houses. There's this giant cactus garden. Mm -hmm. Then there's big empty lots with nobody living there, but yeah. there's a mailbox. <laughs> then there's people living in a house, but no mailbox. <laughs> you know. Then there's these big lots, and people all are just living on their trailer on the lot. That's all they have. Right, yeah. and then there's, then there's there's people that have a farm. There's farm animals walking around everywhere, mm -hmm. duck, ducks and chickens and everything and sheep. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Mm -hmm. Like we were we were in it. These are, everyone's got seven cars, and you know it's, that was an experience. Yeah, and we saw those guys driving those uh, um, ATVs or ATV, RTVs, doom buggy kind of yeah. thing. So we knew there, oh man, like, I remember like, uh, when we drive 15 minutes, looking at the landscape, it's like, I will have a freaking crazy time here off-roading. All right. That was another time when it felt like a painting, watching those sunsets. Yes. It looked like, it's, it felt like one of those movie sets. 
or it was so perfect it's like this doesn't feel real mm-hmm. yeah and we have so many moments just don't feel real yeah like the sunset ocean side don't even feel real crazy the but views from uh, Dante's uh, Peak Dante's Peak the bioluminescent waves um, bioluminescent waves yes just like moment the after way, moment after the moment way. yeah I see that's what traveling do to you that's what really traveling is about is like you felt like you lived a multiple lifetimes yeah because your time just got so stretched because you get to experience so much in such a short period of time like a week would feel like a month or two months long right remember like yes. we got to Nevada for a week and oceans I felt like months ago but only yeah. there for a week it feels like I've been with you for five years here you because we've done so much you know yeah and that's like why like I I'm huge in encouraging people to travel like get out of your place and go go see things go see places because it brings you new perspective about life yeah and happiness and who you are and what you like that you just can't discover in where you live and, and appreciation stay. for what I have you know absolutely like the story I share about seeing those kids in the Morocco you know by the sand dunes like that to give you a whole understanding about like what happiness is and why people get depressed yeah or when, know, I, when I went to Jamaica and saw people living in shanties so happy yeah like traveling just bring you that kind of perspective like for me that's money really the best way to spend money for me at this point right now like this like that's why like buying things and possessions you know unless it's like something really I really love to do it just such seems like such a waste of money a lot of times yeah because I can take that money I can just go have so much incredible experiences through traveling and through meeting people from different parts of the world and experiencing their life and figuring out what makes them happy and what makes them sad and what makes them you know feel excited just that experience is just not anything that you can buy with money you just have to go out and experience it so our time in Nevada wrapped up and we came to Colorado mm-hmm. remember we we left on Saturday night and we drove to one of the most uh, beautiful places I ever went late yes. Panga, Pangich Panguch I I was in Pan- Utah yeah. so we drove through uh, what was the park we drove through? That's uh, Zion. We drove through the Zion up the mountains. You were freaking out because you're like, we kept going up and up and up and up. And you're like, let's just pull over and sleep anywhere. I was like, no, let's keep going. And we drove another hour as we're both exhausted to this lake, Lake Panguch. And then I say, oh, I'm just going to sleep outside and you fall asleep in the car. Yeah. And it was perfect, but my sleeping bag was terrible. <laughs> yeah, and so was, I got cold eventually. And I had it was like 30 car. degrees out there. It was such a beautiful lake. And we just pulled up right to the lake um, in the middle of nowhere, Utah. It's so awesome. After driving through Zion, which was so cool. And then we drove up into the mountains to Colorado. And we drive... Uh, <laughs> so before we even got to the snowstorm, which we did drive through a snowstorm... We saw that the thing with the two canyons come together. 
Mm-hmm. That was beautiful. And humans decided to build a highway through it, which is very sad. Yeah. That was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It's so mm-hmm. cool. The, the whole ground looks slanted and it's all pointed at that one spot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's when I, I climbed up that pillar uh, that he was too afraid to climb up. And so I climbed up it and uh, I was very proud of myself because I was really afraid and I did my bouldering up there. Mm-hmm. And we got some great photos. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we drove up in the mountains and we drove into a snowstorm in June. And we show up at our Airbnb in a blizzard on June 4th, I think it was. It was so fucking pretty, man. It's such a gorgeous seeing the snow cover this uh, the mountains here and the house. And we're walking to the house and it's still snowing. And I just remember that it feels so unreal, like the first day of getting to, to getting here was like the snowing day. And yeah. it was like, wow, we went from the desert to literally snowing, you know, mountains in Colorado in the same day. Yeah. Crazy. And this is the nicest place we ever stayed at. This place is wonderful. Yeah. The view of the mountains, the green of the trees. Hiking trail less than a mile and a half away. Mm-hmm. I mean, one week we hiked like over 20 miles. You know, we got we hiked up in a rainstorm. We had to turn around after there was a lightning storm. Mm-hmm. We, I, I went trail biking for the first time. I had to go back to bouldering, which has been awesome. Had my brother out here. Man, did a lot of freaking cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've just never felt more in love with my life, excited for every day waking up. The, the things I get to do, the things I've already done, the people I get to spend time with, like the way I get to live. And this is just the beginning. I mean, wait till I go to other countries and do this stuff. I mean, I think it'd be cool to just keep, you know, have a crew to do it with. If we have three, four people with us, we could get a really nice place. Mm-hmm. Dude, this is what we do every year, man. We have our crew, you know, three, four people, two, three people that we get together and just, we some rent some sick places all over the world, you know, do every year. Yeah. You know, Iceland, Alaska, Hawaii, different places, Asia. Yeah. Every year. So for me now, I'm going to Wyoming by a private lake by myself for a month. I'm going to do a 10 day unplug, like I'm in the Amazon gonna just be by myself for a month and learn how to fish and sit on a boat and meditate and do yoga then I'm gonna go to Montana by Missoula for a month do a ton of hiking and biking and uh, and then after that we're gonna meet up again and we're gonna go to Oregon for August September get a really beautiful place either in the ocean or in the woods for my birthday and then I'll, and then my intention is to go to Latin America for six months go to Mexico Ecuador, Costa Rica, Colombia, Chile, Honduras. Just spend a month in each place. We've got some good tips off of people. Yeah. And we, I hope that we kind of help you see how traveling can really shape your world and shape your life. I'm living the dream, man. And yeah, I think people Right now, not as a millionaire, right now. Yeah, man. I'm just saying like, there is definitely a budget way to travel and you can experience as much. Like being in Death Valley, like it doesn't cost us anything. $1,100 each for the month, I think. Yeah, like 
that was the only thing like renting some food like some gas money this like doesn't cost anything to have like one of the best experiences in our lives yeah seeing like the best nice guy that we ever seen in our lives yeah so you can be pretty creative in what you can do like understand like what you're trying to see when you travel and go do it either solo with a friend like a lot of people they're, they're scared to travel solo but I'm telling you man like traveling in solitude is one of the best thing that I did yeah and if you're just willing to like have an open mind you're gonna meet people too you're gonna meet other travelers yeah and like the nice thing about being traveling by yourself is that you have no compromise to make none everything that you see is what you want to see yes yeah, because like having some like travel partner that's like have so many like problems about oh I have to I have to stay at this place or I have to do this and that you might as well just go by yourself be completely free that's why I, that's why I love traveling on my own I mean I love to have a one or two good travel mate too sometimes so we can run like bigger nicer places you know more experiences that way and it's fun too something that can really like you know have a same view to what traveling but I can be completely just happy and have a freaking amazing time traveling myself so traveling solo if you haven't done it before like you should really try it actually yeah I think it's I have to enjoy being by myself before I can learn to enjoy being with others mm -hmm. yeah there's no better way to find myself to prepare myself for a long-term committed relationship the, I mean to, to just go within to reflect to just be by myself mm -hmm. even with you and I we've gotten big enough places that we've had enough space to be separated mm -hmm. yeah, I mean we just really hang out on our own floor and then we hang out you know when we need to and we've got our own personal spaces all too it worked out been good Hugh yeah it's been fun round one yeah many more years to come yeah so uh yeah so here's our traveling podcast feel free to send me some questions yeah or can maybe do a potential part two to answer some questions if they have questions about it yeah find me at create yourself all right cool peace out love you guys peace love <laughs>